Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti, Nick Bellamy, back with me. Nick, you're, um, I don't know, can you be a regular yet? As soon as you want me to be, that's really up to you I to, love it. to, you know, acknowledge that feat. I feel like, I feel like you probably don't remember because you're um, significantly younger, um, but uh, there was a show called Cheers. Okay. Um, and um, when uh, Norm would walk into the bar, everybody say, hey, Norm. And he'd be like, hey. Right. So when you walk in, I feel like, hey, Nick. And just, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back. Thank you. Um, we want to talk about um, finances, money, um, and, and, and here's the thing. Um, so a lot of different kind of platitudes kind of jump to my mind immediately, right? But um, what, I'm, what I'm thinking of, and I think we're on the same page, okay, um, is I've always had the concept, right, that, you know, with money, like you can build a house, but you can't build a home, right? So there's useful things that money as a tool allows you to do, but there's so many warnings in scripture about the love of money and about money becoming an idol that you can't avoid those particular things. And I think um, we don't really teach young people um, what to do with their money. Does it make sense? Oh, like, without it, a doubt. It, it just, I mean, just a, a really, you know, hey, hey, go make money, right? Like, okay, fantastic. It's like, no, 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 hang on. What do you do with your money, right? What, what, what do we do with that? And, and I, I think I'm one of those people, right? Because I actually have a business degree from a university. Um, and I would say that I was really never taught um, what to do with money other than here's ways of making it, okay? But making money, right, isn't necessarily the hard part. It's what do you do with the money once you have it, right? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. So that's, that's where I think, you know, talking to you, right? And I, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you do, because okay. this is, you know, in line with what your profession is, but I also think it's in line with where your heart is, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of con- connect your heart and your head um, at the same time and let people hear, right, your thought process that also comes from a biblical perspective as you, as you do it. So what, what is it that you do for a, a living? Well, I am a work in progress. I'll start there. I'd like to just throw that out as you gave me that wonderful introduction. Um, I'm a certified financial planner. I work with a large financial services firm, uh, Northwestern Mutual. Uh, They started as a life insurance company and have morphed into a full-service wealth management place. Uh, These days, online tools and portals are extremely important. And so, you know, as an enterprise, they've built out an, an amazing set of technology for us advisors to use and interact with our clients. Okay, can I ask, uh, there's going to be sure. several stupid questions. Without I, I, I shouldn't ask if I can ask stupid questions on my own podcast. Well, because right? it's drawing attention to something you don't want to draw attention to. Exactly. Okay, here's the thing. You use the word wealth management. The mm-hmm. first thing that jumps to my mind is I'm not wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Same, same root word, right? Wealth management. I'm not wealthy, so I don't need somebody to help me manage my money because I'm not wealthy. So what what would you say is the level at which somebody needs to sit down with like a financial advisor, right, mm-hmm. do you, to, to help you manage your wealth, your assets, your money, 
right? Is there a line where you just say, and, and I'll say this in the best way possible, right? A guy sits down with you and he's just like, you know, I'm making $32,000 a year. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I ain't got time for you, right? <laughs> and a guy walks in and it's like, I'm making thirty-one, you know, $31 million a year. You're like, let's talk, right? So, I mean, you know. <laughs> I well, that was capitalism you just described. Right. So mm. at, at what point would you advise somebody without giving financial advice? Correct. At what point would you advise somebody to say, yeah, you might want to go sit down with somebody and help them think through your resources? Uh, so I would say first step is to answer that question. As an advisor, there's many different ways for us to create revenue. Okay. And right, so from a free capital market, you know, democratic republic of America standpoint, um, there are many ways for us to help all sorts of people. Um, I recently met a guy. He won't take anybody that has less than $5 million of assets. That's where he has set the floor. It's where he's decided to create revenue. I, unfortunately, don't have a Rolodex that looks like that. Okay. And so it's a little different for me. Yeah. That, that was uh, to say that that, that, that one's not mine. <laughs> no, so it's just, 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 just a little different. Yeah, a little different. Um, okay. And so okay. there are many different ways for us to create revenue. Uh, our time is – we're going to get into this uh, as we kind of start talking about more of the biblical kind of saturated yep. lifestyle of walking with Jesus and using money. Yep. Um, there are many different ways, okay, that we can help people. Yeah. I no longer look at my time as in a direct swap of money. Oh. Okay. My my job. It's my not mom, a it's not a tit for tat. It's, it's not a, not a I, ha- I have to tat. get X amount of money to give you this amount of time. That's you're correct. willing you're willing to invest time in people, regardless of the amount of money you get back. As long as you're making enough money to put food on the table for your family, but you're willing to invest probably more time in people than other people are because they're saying, well, I'm not getting enough of a return than that, right? That guy's not worth my – it's a nice way of saying people are worth your time, not just their resources. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I recently met with a 26-year-old. He's making decent money, but he has no money. And so is it really – do I really have a lot of opportunity Actually, to, 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 to help that person and make money for you, my family? You not just met with a 20 really? – <clears throat> 22, 23-year-old. I did, I did that who's, too. Who's not making a bunch of money, yeah. right? But you helped him out. I mean, you can kind of call it a loss leader if you're a business guy, whereas like someday yeah. that person yeah, yeah, may yeah, be yeah, successful yeah, yeah, and yeah, needs yeah. your services. But at the same time, I mean, he was a member of my community. Yeah. And he's a friend of mine's son. And all of that is enough for me to want to go sit down and give somebody some advice. Cool. Okay, so let, let's um, real quickly. Uh, I'm thinking about people who are listening to this that might yeah. not be in our particular geographical area. Okay. So um, let me throw this out. Um, I live in Montana. Can I still call or, or talk to you, or would it be better to find somebody more geographically located? And then the other one is I live in you know Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, just real quickly from that perspective, like how available are you to be a resource and an advocate for people in other places? I am currently licensed in 13 states. It's okay. pretty easy to get licensed and to be able to give advice wherever I want. Gotcha. Being licensed in the state of Texas allows me to reciprocate in a pretty good fashion because our business laws are fairly reciprocal with the larger economies on earth. That's like, think of California as the ninth largest economy on earth, yes. right? Yes. I'm licensed there. Yeah. And so if I'm licensed there, Wyoming's kind of like, yeah. hey, since he's licensed there, but if I was to choose to do business there, I would have to be licensed. Okay. And so those are – and then there's certain worlds where, like, geographical matters. There's some worlds where where did you actually make the money? Some, okay. yep. some yep. places care yep. whether you're a resident. It's, yep. it's a very interesting world. That would be more uh, focused on somebody who wanted a job in risk management or in wealth management or advice in the advisory world. All of those things have high credentialing and licensing requirements that would require – 
you to be licensed in the right place to give the right advice to the right person. Good. <clears throat> Fantastic. Now, we're not actually going to give financial advice That's per right. se, right? But we are going to talk about things and give wisdom, mm-hmm. which I love. Now, um, one of the things I want to talk about is just um, money, right? And a number of studies that come out talk about um, how money, in a sense, um, a lot of people believe that money, making money makes you happy. And the more money you make, the more happy you are. Um, you know, and, and I think to a certain point, the research supports that up to a certain level, right? That when they ask people um, kind of your level of happiness, um, that there's a certain level of happiness that goes kind of to financial freedom. But then once kind of that level of financial freedom is reached, more money doesn't make you more happy. But there is a point where if you're, if, if you're in a position where you're financially strapped, if you're in a position where money is a burden, if you're in a position where um, you can't take care of your basic needs, that making a little bit more money, right, will improve your situation. So you would you would support that idea when people say, well, you know, money doesn't make you happy. You would you would say, well, wait a second, <laughs> right? There's a there's a truth behind the idea um, that money is a tool, and if you have the right tool to do the jobs that you have, yeah, it it it, it can bring a certain level of happiness, satisfaction. But as we were talking about before, it definitely doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring meaning and significance to life. But you know, would you would you share that idea that money can bring happiness? Oh, for sure. I mean, like you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if you are stressed out that you don't know how you're going to make your bills this week, it is very hard to be available to serve the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's hard to disciple yeah. your kids. Yeah. It's hard. It doesn't matter what you do. It's hard to go to work. Yep. Yeah. Even though going to work is the thing that's going to solve that problem. Yeah. And so, you know, there is a certain minimum that you need. Then there's a little bit. There's a, they, the the research definitely supports that there's a certain amount over your basic needs that does have a direct correlation to like happiness going to Disneyland and being able to give your kid that trip or sure, yeah. what it looks like yeah. on Christmas morning around the tree yeah. and things like that are all all a form or fashion of cash flow yeah okay and so yes there's a certain amount but to your point after that okay everything is more posterity driven than prosperity driven okay. where yeah making a lot of money typically accomplishes a another goal you had mm-hmm. and therefore that's what's actually driving you happy not the money itself okay but you have to have a vision of what you want in order for something other than just having the biggest pile of money becomes important okay so here's my thought on the vision concept mm-hmm. um, because I think a lot of people have very short-term visions right? They're, they're very, Absolutely. very, very immediate need, right? Like I want money because I want to buy mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Um, and then once I have that, I want more money because I want to buy, right? ABC, ABC, right? And then I more, have more money because I want to fix and I want, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? So is there, is there a different concept? Like if you, if you met a person like that, um, is that fine? And do you just say, great, let's, let's get you the amount of money you want so that you can go buy this house, this car, this you know, toy, this thing or whatever. And you just, you know, okay. Uh, is, does that make sense? Like from a financial advisor standpoint, right? Do you see that that is, is, you know, part of your role, right? I, is, I remember sitting in my managing partner's office one day and him looking me straight in the face and telling me, you don't have an expense problem. You have a revenue problem uh, and I'll never <laughs> forget it. And he's like, you, there's no more to cut, Nick. Like yeah. you can't, you can't make less money. You can't cut expenses out of your life. You have three kids. You have a mortgage. Yeah. Like yeah. you have a life. Yeah. And so you're going to need to just go make more money. Yeah. 
right? So yes, sometimes that is the goal. But um, I learned this a long time. I think it's a very useful platitude across the board, and especially in finance, is that wherever you set your expectation, if you come in above it, you're going to be happy. And okay. if you come in below it, you're going to be disappointed. Okay. Period. And that's the way that we look at people, the way we look at money, the way we look at our situation, our house, our school, anything. Yep. And so if you expect perfection, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, we live in a world that like people think that they have paid for perfection. Mm. And Ooh. so I need to get 100% of what I paid for or you need to recompensate me. Yep. Okay, and unfortunately, like it's just not possible. Jesus was perfect; nothing else since. <laughs> I mean, like just yeah. that's just the way it is. Seriously. And so there has to be an allowance of grace. Yeah. And so one of a lot of people spend a lot of time, especially the wealthy, spend a lot of time frustrated with not getting what they paid for. Yeah. Because they paid for perfection. Because they paid for perfection, that's, and then and they didn't they get it. So there's a there's a book, and we're gonna we're gonna probably reference a couple different books, but um, there's a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Um, by Jeremiah Burroughs, right? Great um, Puritan writer. And that's what you just said um, was what he wrote in the 1600s, right? To look at the difference between your expectations and reality. And his thing is, which one can you control, right? Well, I can't control reality. It happens, right? But I can control my expectations. And so when you set your expectations too high, right? And then reality comes in underneath them. There's there's the disappointment. But he's like- It's not even just too high, Right. Like if my son was to be a missionary and a million people came to faith in Jesus and he never made a penny, would I be pleased? Sure. I hope so. Yeah. But I don't know about you, but my dad raised me that my bank account had to be bigger than that. Okay. Okay. And so it wasn't that one was higher than the other. It's that they're polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question is, what what are your expectations? Expectations. Yeah. So here's the – I'll ask you this. Okay. Um, When you sit down with people – do you have an opportunity to help them evaluate their expectations and where those things are coming from? Yes, that's the job. I think that's really the job of a financial advisor okay. is to help you with that piece. Okay. Look, we are we are supposed to help with a whole host of other things. Um, technically speaking, we get paid for. But behavioral finance is by, hard, by far the hardest part. Yeah. And why? Because, look, if your expectation is to live in a $2 million home on the beach – uh, you're probably in trouble because there's no $2 million houses on the beach anymore. They're more expensive <laughs> than that. And so just when you when you think about your expectations, yep. right, would you be happy with a white picket fence and three happy kids? They're all educated. And someday you have just enough money for you and your wife to stay home every day and garden because that was what the American dream was 50 years ago. Now the American dream is to have four Airbnbs to live on vacation so that my Instagram profile shows this highlight reel of me seeing 16 countries this year. And unfortunately, that's not realistic. Like, that's the life that, you know, Princess Diana was living after she, you know, left the royal family. And we think that we are entitled because it's a little bit easier to obtain these days. Um, And so a lot of people, and I think this is the number one thing, they struggle with, and I guess it's missing out, so FOMO. But... All of these other people, are they already have four vacations planned this year. What are we going to do? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, vacations are really expensive, and not everybody has enough money for that. What was my expectation? My expectation was X, Y, Z. Now, there are some very, very wealthy people who do very, very well. Some people, it's really, really simple for them to earn money, and they have just figured it out. Uh, But their set of problems don't look too dissimilar from people who don't make a lot of money. Money is just not one of them. Yeah. No, that's a that's a that's a good point. That's a 
Whew. Man, there's a lot of you know, marriage there's, still there's exists, whether you have money or not. Back there. You yeah. know, parenting. Parenting still uh, exists. I would say extended family and yep. the dysfunction that comes from that. Uh, just relationships in general, whether it's your neighbor or your coworker. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> it is interesting, right? Um, money brings its own set of problems as well. It's, it, is, it is a challenge to manage wealth yeah. all by itself. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I talked to a business executive yesterday and he had just gotten a large payout and he was talking about like, what do I do with this money? Mm -hmm. And I told him, I go, go invest in your own businesses that you don't work for anybody ever again. And he looked at me because he was expecting me to come back with some investment profile Mm -hmm. or like invest in these stocks and these bonds or buy this insurance product and all these things. And I came back and I said, go invest in you so that nobody could ever fire you again. Because this is the third time in his life that he has been let go. He's always been able to find another job. He's always been able to do things. But he keeps getting let go because he's not in control of the money anymore. Hmm. Well, if he just takes the money that he got as the payout and he invests in his own company that could forever provide him income. Now, here was where the rubber met the road. This is where he and I got sideways and we ended our conversation. I told him, I go, you have to be just as good of a business owner as you were for the boss when there is no boss. Yep. Yeah. True. And the only person looking is God Almighty, because now are you doing everything in an excellent manner that right. would be worthy of the king? Yeah. Well, if you own your own business and you're creating income from your own business, look, this is a gut check for me too. I operate my own business. Am I operating it the best I'm capable of? Are all of the different functions of it as good as they can be? Right? Because the Lord convicts us if we're going to do anything, do it unto him. Um, and man, that's a good check for everybody. Yeah. And so when that, when you circle that back around to finance and money and all that stuff, I mean, it's the overflow of our heart that should, that should affect everything. If the number one priority in my life is walking with the Lord and being a follower of Christ, then that should overflow into every part of my life, including my money. And it shouldn't matter. I mean, when, when you read the, the line in Philippians 4 that's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right before that, he said, whether I have a lot or I have nothing. And that's what he's talking about. If I have everything, I can be happy in Christ because he can fulfill the kingdom of God through me. Yeah. If I have nothing, I can fulfill the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ and God the Father, even if I have nothing and I'm just laying on my mat in the pool like the disabled man in Bethesda. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. The, the key to walking with the Lord is walking with the Lord. Right. right. And then we take that saturated lifestyle and we apply it to our money. And it helps me to not be greedy. It helps me to not only think of me. It helps me in my giving. Look, being a good spender makes you a good giver. Um, And so there's just some things that you can do. And um, I kind of led with this. I think I said it at the beginning. But connecting your heart to your money is the goal of a Christian. Like you you should take the things that are the most important to you and you should find tangible ways to then go execute that in the way that you and your family interact with money. Um, and then all of a sudden, money's being used to, to bless the kingdom of God. And then God can put his favor upon it and grow it in ways that only he can grow it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So say, say that again, is you want to connect your heart to your money. To your money. Here's the thing. I think without even realizing it, your heart and your money are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is what you're spending your money on is what your heart is telling you is important. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great evaluation to kind of look at, right? You've always heard it said, you know, show me your checkbook, show me your calendar, and I'll, I'll tell you what's important in your life. Yeah. Um, where you spend your time and where you spend your talents or your resources, your money, those are the, the top priorities of your life. 
And so a, a lot of people think that their family is important because they spend money on their family, right? Because, you know, it's like, hey, look, I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I, you know, my, my kids have all these, you know, wonderful things. But I think it's an interesting thing is, is how is your money making your family better is the question, right? Um, is, you know, a better, um, you know, nicer set of clothes or um, a nicer home make your family better, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, some people have talked about, you know, you got a, you got a small house, the family's all, all together, you're all eating around the dinner table, you got a large house and everybody's eating in their separate, you know, wing of the, you know, mansion. And so it's, it's you know, if money isn't making your family better, then I think it's like you're actually disconnected from your heart. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's, I hope that's what your heart's desire is, is to, um, you know, be responsible for, you know, the, um, I mean, you know, we just recorded a, a book dealing with parenting, mm-hmm. right? Paul David Tripp, and he's talking about, you know, the most important thing that a person can do, right, is, is you know, be a part of God's plan to, you know, fashion a human soul. And, and it's just like, yeah, and so I want to use my money to advance that particular goal. I want to use my money to make my kids better, to make my marriage better, to make my family better, Right. And we can't buy into the world system that better means looking nicer, right? Better means driving a nicer car. That's not a better family. A nicer car is not a better family. Now, a car that runs <laughs> Those <laughs> and, get, two things would right, be and gets you from point A to yeah. point B, right? That's fine. Um, but, you know, a better car doesn't mean a better family. Mm-hmm. Um, but pro- being able to provide for your family, right, and, and taking care of it. Um, and giving, you know, your, your family the things that it needs so that it can do the work that God's called them to do, well, that's, that's okay. That's, you know, using money as a tool to advance the things that I think, you know, are important. Um, and I think that's just, that's an interesting thing. There's a, there's a book, um, uh, you know, we've read this, you've read it, right? I have. Okay. So, I've given it out a couple times. Right. Too. We've talked about it before, right? It used to be called The Life Well Spent. It's now called Your Life well spent. Your life, dot, dot, dot. Well spent. Uh, Russ Crossan talks about the eternal rewards of investing yourself and your money in your family. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he, that he talks about a lot um, is the, the whole idea as, as the business world or your business comes in and there's different ways to make more money, you have to ask yourself the question of, am I willing to give up that much time to get that much money because when you're getting more money, there's also things that you're giving up. So you, there's never a, um, you know, hey, Nick, I'm just going to give you a $25,000 raise this year for nothing, right? It's There's certain expectations that go with it. You know, it's like, well, what do you need from that? You know, well, you know, you had this many clients last year. I need to meet with this many clients, like, you know, this year. Okay, you, you know, you had this particular goal. I need to do that, more, you know. And it's that concept of saying, how are those things benefiting your family? Because if they're not benefiting your family, you'd be better off saying, nah, I don't need the raise, right? I don't need more money because it doesn't make my family better. And I think that's a really important thing to wrestle with um, is at, at what level, right, can you say, hey, these things are making my family better, but if I got more money, you know what? It would actually just be more time away from my family, more time away from my kids. And I, I think, you know, you're very involved with your family. Um, you know, you're, you're out there coaching your kids, you know, you're picking kids up from school. You're, you know what I mean? You're, Mm -hmm. you're an active and engaged dad where I think there's other people that I see that are less engaged and less active in their kids' lives, but they're making more money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a gut check too, is, you know, which one of those do your kids really need? 
Well, we go through different seasons of life. I mean, when your kids true, are true. little, and that's one of the major points that Crossan makes in that book, Your Life Well Spent, um, is that when your kids are little, they need your time. Yep. You know, more so than they need your money. And then there will be a season where they will need your coaching, right? They will need you to be present at the end of the day when they have questions throughout their day where you could probably go give a little more time to the office, Mm -hmm. okay? And then there will be a time where you're in the empty nest phase where you're going to have to put a little bit more time into your marriage because you guys had kids for 30 years. And so, you you know, there's some things you got to deal with. And so there, as he goes through the book, he just says there's seasons. And now here's the, tra- the challenge that a lot of people have. When you um, swap money for time, so you have a job that pays for your time, mm-hmm. um, the only way to make more money is to work more. Yeah. Okay. But if you have yeah. a performance-based job or an idea-based job yep. where you can be paid not based for your time, okay, then you have the opportunity to increase revenue without spending more time. And so it's just ma- being very cognizant of the season of life you're in and the way that you earn money yeah. and then being satisfied with it. That's the key. Mm. Most people just aren't. I met with a guy yesterday and he just said, I just want the biggest pile of money I can get. And I said, I can't help you. There is no planning for that. That is you being a rainmaker, going to work with no regard for anything else yeah. and going all the way. Um, Kobe Bryant had a really good interview before he passed away in his helicopter accident. And his whole thing was in order to be the best, you have to defer your family. You have to defer everything else in your life. And you have to be 100% devoted to the thing you want to be the best at. He was, I'm the best basketball player and I'm not the best dad. He was willing to say that. I'm not the best husband. I'm not the best at, and he went down a list of things, but I am the best basketball player on earth because I spend all of my time on that. Okay. And so that's a mastery idea. Okay, well, I want to master being a follower of Jesus, yeah. and I want to master being a husband, and I want to master being a father before I master my professional life. Yeah. Now, and, and at some point— You have to work on them all. Right. You, can't, you can't compartmentalize and walk away from you any can, of them. You can work on them, but the mastery level, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there, there's a certain limit, and I, I think that's one of the things that we, we expect, right, is, okay, Nick— um, I want to master being a follower of Christ. I want to master being a husband. I want to master being a father. I don't want to master being a businessman. And I want to master being a golfer too, right? I want to. I want to be a scratch golfer, right? Mm-hmm. And right now I'm I'm shooting over a hundred. Okay, <laughs> which which by the way, just, you've got a few hours of practice to go. Just just you know, for my for my personality, which is kind of funny because golf's not my game, mm-hmm. right? But when I go out there, my brother-in-law, you know, he's he's shooting like a seventy-two, nice. right? I'm shooting like a hundred hundred and five, okay? And I just look at him. I'm like, just technically. Okay, we're out here spending three and a half hours. You're you're getting seventy two strokes. I'm getting one hundred and five, right? Which one of us is actually using our time and our resources better? Yeah. There and there's parts of the course that I get to see that he never gets to he see. He will never see. Never sees. Right. The rough. Yeah. He's he's never been in it. I'm like I'm in there all the time. I'm in other people's fairways even. So and that's a great uh, illustration. Actually, he shot seventy two and you shot one hundred and five. But if you both had the same attitude at the end, you know, Christ would say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." That's right. Right, he doesn't really care about the results. Yeah. Right. Um, I the think only one getting frustrated is actually him with me when when I spend more time looking for my ball. Right, and he's well, just, he's like, just hey. sitting in the middle of yeah. the, he's of like, the hey. fairway waiting for you to drive. Yeah. Bring him a golf club. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I know how that feels. It's all it's all good. But I, I well, I'm, so so back to, I think there's only a certain level of things that you can really have mastery over. And that was kind of my point. And then, yeah, then it becomes the prioritizing. Then of prioritizing. Which, which one are we really prioritizing? Because I think you can be a great basketball player and a great dad and a great husband. Can you be the best basketball player in the country 
right? And a great, and it's like, okay, I, you know, I don't know. Everything's kind of a little bit of a push, a little bit of give. You have to sit, spend a certain amount uh, you know, of time in the gym. Now, here's the other thing you have to have, right? You have to have a certain DNA, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, if, if you got a guy who's just not built for basketball saying, Hey, listen, I want to be the greatest basketball player ever. So I'm going to spend, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Three, it's like, it doesn't even matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's certain things that play into that. And I think some people, you know, might be barking up the wrong tree and you're like, listen, you're not going to reach mastery in this. Um, go do something else. But, but I think when you're talking about mastery in terms of like, I want to, be the best Christian I can be, I think we go, ah, oh, you know what, there's other people who are doing that, so I'm not going to spend time on that, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, I'll let Pastor Graham, he gets paid to do that. He's the pastor up there. He's preaching, right? I'll let him be the, the guy who has mastery over that, so I'll go spend time doing something else. And I think Christianity doesn't lend itself to allowing other people to do the work for you. Does that make sense? Oh, like yeah. You have your own personal walk with the Lord. I think the church, the body, has different functions and different roles, and you want to play your role. But for you, you still have to be the, the best. You have to allow the God to do the most work in you that he can do. You can't just farm that off to somebody else. So that, that, that imagery that you're using, there's a lot of different things that kind of come to mind when you bring it up. Oh, yeah. Very much so. And, you know, it's, the, the concept is just obedience, walking mm-hmm. up and to the right yep. for a line yep. graph, yep. like just always getting a little bit better. And look, I played competitive golf growing up. Uh, it's funny you went to the golf place. I would love to play golf four or five days a week. I know how to grind and get better. And I could go and compete at the U.S. Mid Amateur or the U.S. Open qualifiers and even some of the state and local stuff that would be so much fun. Yeah. I don't have time for that anymore. That season of my life has passed. I am hoping to pick it back up at the end for the senior go. tour. Yeah. Right. And so that is a part of my financial plan. As I look out as to the future, there is line items for country club membership and monthly range fees for me to go and grind that out again when my kids don't need me every day. And you know what? There's there's guys who have been way more successful in business and they have a lot of money and they're capable of doing that at my age. I haven't been one of those people. And that's okay. I'm satisfied with that. See, whereas other people would would hear those words and, and be, be frustrated. like, "I'm super frustrated. Right. I can't believe you would even have that thought." Right? You know, and they're offended by my thoughts. Right? You know, and it's like, you know, we, we all have to worry about our own things, and and that's that's one of the biggest challenges with finances. Comparison is the thief of joy. Amen. You see everything around you, and you, and you compare to it instead of just doing the best you can with what God has given you. And you know, if you would just do the best that you can with what God has given you, it's almost impossible to fail. It's when we screw up, when we sin, when we get lazy. I mean, a lot of people just don't want to work on their finances. Like, I'll go and sit in front of somebody. I'll give them the homework in order for me to write them a financial plan, and they just won't do it. And they put their feet in the ground, and then they blame it on me that I never wrote them a financial plan. And it's like, well, I asked you for a budget, and I asked you for a couple account statements, and I asked you to talk to me about your Social Security, you know, statements and all these different things that go into, you know, send me your mortgage thing down the list. And they won't do it, and then they, well, you never wrote me the plan. And it's like, well, I— I mean, I could make some assumptions. I guess I've done this a few times, but that doesn't help you. It's not your plan. And if it's not your plan, you won't be bought in. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. Boom. And so over and over and over again, you have to have a vision of what you – why can I talk about my playing golf in my 50s? Because I vision – I've sat down and thought about it. And, like, this is something I want to do. So I've planned for it, and I'm going to try to reverse engineer it and do the best that I can along the way. If it doesn't happen, meh. So, so be it. But it's something that I can plan for and think about down the road because of the season of life that I'm in. Yeah. What have you seen some people do 
Um, and this is just one of those broad general questions, yeah. but just that has been successful, right? If you've, if you've seen some people um, that, have, that have moved towards things where you just go, you know what? That was a great move. That was a great perspective. What would you say are, are you know, just a couple things that you just go, you know, that's a, people ought to think about this. It may not apply to everybody, but just some things that you've seen over the years that you're just like, that was good. That was interesting. Um, saving early just because of the idea of flexing the muscle. Okay. It's just like anything else. Yep. If you have a quiet time every day after about 10 years, you're just kind of used to having a quiet time every day. You go to the gym every day, all of a sudden your muscles, you're not, you don't have that super soreness after three weeks. Yeah. Well, when you start saving money on a regular basis, um, typically you get used to that ACH or EFT out of your yeah. bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then over time, you just tweak it a little bit, and then it, it grows a little bit, and it you know it works out. I like that. Um, so yep. the long term view of saving, those are for the more traditional folks. Uh, there there are those who are home run hitters, and they go out and they do things that are very difficult. They leverage money, they use capitalism, and you know investors, and they they do some yeah. really cool things and create some liquidity events. But I would say by far and away, the things that are the most successful is the old fashioned version of compound interest and just saving a little bit of money every day. And just being very prudent with what we do. Um, I've heard some really good ones, which is uh, spend less than you make, don't be stupid, and then give generously whenever the Lord inspires you. Hmm. And so if you will do those things, it's kind of hard to fail. And so once again, that is spend less than you make, don't be stupid, and give generously. Let's pause on the don't be stupid. Yeah. The don't be stupid, is that the don't fall into the get rich quick? kind of schemes or what do you mean by don't be stupid? Well, remember the get rich quick scheme works like three or 4% of the time. So in the scale, in the scale of possibilities, like mm-hmm. sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. Like there are people in the casino who made money tonight. Okay. But there are very few of them. Okay. There's yeah. 97 yeah. who didn't. And, they, and by the <laughs> they, they, they keep them for one more night. And they keep them for one more <laughs> so, night. So you just made, in you case made the next night, they're not that guy. Yeah. Right. I mean, there, there are things okay. in the world. There's high risk, high reward all over America. Okay. Without a doubt. Uh, if you're in Zimbabwe, probably not the same, right? Because you had mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Different different geographies, D- different yep, things, right? Exactly. Um, and so there there are some very high risk, high reward world. But man, don't be stupid. It it comes back to me all the time. We all know, like the Bible says, that inside of us is knit right and wrong. Mm. Like I know that I'm not supposed to click on that link on my phone. Okay. Right. Okay. I know that I'm yep. not supposed to go buy the motorcycle when I only have enough money in my bank account for the motorcycle. Yeah. Like there's just that's not a good so, yeah. purchase. So, so don't don't be stupid, right? Are those things that like when you have that gut check of like yeah, yeah. is is this an impulse buy or is this like a, hey I need this, mm-hmm. right? And and so many of those impulse yeah. um, or as you said you know the the comparison is the thief of joy. I think a lot of people are buying things and doing things to try to keep up with people that aren't even paying attention to them. No, right? Like hey, did you see what car I got? Hey, did you see our house? It's like. Who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Because people aren't impressed. Because, right, the people who really like you aren't paying attention to that. No. And the people who might be impressed by that, they actually don't like you. Well, they're not paying attention at all, right? Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, so yes. says Ecclesiastes, right? Yes. And at the end of the day, if they're vain, they're not thinking, they're not about, thinking about you. you. They're only they're thinking, thinking them. about themselves. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the whole it's point. It's funny. Right? I remember my wife said that to me, well, what was so-and-so think? And I go, I don't think they've ever thought about us. Yeah. And, then I, and, the, and the reason I feel that way is because maybe I never thought about them. Mm. Oh, I'm human too. Yeah. Right? And so that, that vanity concept, I mean, comparison is thief of joy over and over and over again. Boom. When you worry about what they think, I mean, it really is a little bit cheesy, but audience of one and that one being God. Yep. 
right? Am I making the right choices? And look, there are plenty of super wealthy people that walk with the Lord very humbly, oh, yeah. very closely. Yeah. There are super broke people who walk with the Lord very humbly, yeah. very closely. Well, it, honest, and there's everything in between. Honestly, in, in Scripture, right? You can look at Scripture and you can find, um, you know, Jesus pointing at, you know, the widow, you know, the widow's might, right? The widow who gives a little bit of money, but she had the right heart's attitude, right? You can point over, you know, to Abraham and, and you know, look at the kingdom, you know, that he was creating. You can look at Solomon, right? As, mm-hmm. you know, he'd probably be one of the wealthiest men alive today, yep. right? If he just had the things that he had back then. And so, you know, money is not going to get you closer to God, um, but it's also not going to take you further away from God if you don't allow it to. That's right. Right? It, it's your heart towards those things, mm-hmm. right? So there's not an idol that you don't create on your own. Right. You know, it's like when you create the idol, then it takes you further away from God. But if money is a tool, just like any other tool and you use it for the, you know, the things that God has given you to to do to build, well, then use it, build it, create it. Right. Do it to the glory of God. Right. And if it's a, you know, five story building or if a 50 story building, it doesn't matter. Right. Because more people can live in the 50 story building. Fantastic. God wants you to build it, build it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's where, you know, to me, this whole concept is um, we have to be very careful of. You know, not letting the American dream become the Christian dream. And I, I totally get that, right? With, you know, the white picket fence and I just want to retire. I'm just like, no, no. The the Christian dream, right, is to do what God has called you to do. Amen. Right? To, to walk with him and to be close to him. And if it includes, right, three kids and a white picket fence and, you know, retiring when you're, you know, 65 years old and, you know, having a swimming pool and doing laps with the kids, I'm like, why is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. Right. And if it includes, you know, Hey, you know, God's called me to go be, you know, a missionary over whatever. What I was like, well, there's nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with that either. You know what I mean? It's like, there's not some scale out there of like, you know, Hey, I'm a better Christian because I'm, and it's just like, no, you're a better Christian when you're closer to God. Mm-hmm. And we're taught an internal scorecard most of our life. You yes. know, I mean, when you're in, when you're in grade school, it's A's and B's and C's. Right. And then, you know, our, our, when, when you're in Sunday school class, you know, it's, <laughs> how many amens and Jesus's and Hail Mary? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then, you know, in sports, you know, are, are you in the top 10? Or are you not in the top 10? You know, yep. when you go to a, do a sales organization, right? And you look and they're like, here's the top quartile reps. Here's everybody else. You know, across the board, we, we always, um, we, we give accomplishment to those who have accomplished. Yep. Okay. And if that is your version of success, then one, it can be taken from you at any point in time. Yeah. Okay. But two, I, I believe that the Bible calls us over and over and over again to not be conformed to that pattern. Right. But to be renewed, renewed daily. Yes. By the transforming of our mind. Yep. And so that's who we want to be, right? Yeah. And that can include making a bazillion dollars. It can. It, it could include making no money. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it's I think it's helpful to wrestle with these things. Um, if you don't mind, I'll put your contact information in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully, some people who um, really want some wisdom, um, some truth, some advice on how to do life well and how to use the resources um, and the wealth that God has allowed them to have, whether they have a little, or whether they have a lot, it doesn't matter. But to use what God has given you for His glory, for His kingdom. Um, to advance something greater than yourself um, is such a special calling in life. Um, you know, for those people who just want to make a little bit more money because they want to buy a better car, um, 
Can I tell you, there's more than that, right? Yeah. There, there's more to it than that. And if that's where you're stuck, um, I think it's, you know, as you said, right, the, the vanity aspect, right? Get get beyond yourself. Well, and um, I would take that phone call too. I'd be happy to have that coffee. That one's actually more important to the kingdom of God than the financial advising one. Take that phone call too. Yeah, if you're if you're stuck there and you're like, hey, I need some wisdom just from a, you know, a godly man who can help move yeah. me beyond that to see beyond, you know, what car I'm driving, that's a fantastic phone call too. So, Nick, thanks for the time. Thanks for just the... Uh, um, the bouncing off of, right, just, you know, concepts, because I, I think this is an area that, um, you know, the, the enemy and the world and our own flesh creep in so quickly. Um, and when we start talking about money, people kind of, you know, they close down because they don't, you know, oh, I don't, I don't want you to mess up my ability to control this, right? Yeah. And I think that's when it becomes the idol um, and it ends up controlling you. And, and here's the thing, when, when you allow God to control your finances, um, that is a great place to be because it gives you the freedom to say God's in control of that, right? He, he will provide for the things that he's called me to do. That's right. Amen. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.